Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. This weekend, our church around the world reads from the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he battles sin. Remember that classic story? After Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John, he immediately flees into the desert to do battle with Satan and sin and temptation. The very end of Jesus' life, he continues that battle against sin. In this case, as we read the passion of Jesus Christ in Luke's Gospel, we see all these different types of sin coming around Jesus, gathering around him for the express purpose of destroying him. What I want to do is briefly look at some of these different sins and how they surround Jesus and attempt to destroy him and possibly could destroy us. First, Jesus is in the garden alone. Here Jesus is now accepting the will of the Father. He agonizes over it because he knows exactly what will happen to him. And yet, what are the apostles doing? Are they prayerfully supporting him? Are they awake? No. In fact, they're sleeping. Herein lies the very first sin that is surrounding Jesus. It's the sin of sloth or sloth. It's basically apathy. The attitude of, I just don't care. Spiritual laziness. Now you say to yourself, well, this doesn't sound too big of a sin or too serious. Well, mind you, sloth is one of the seven deadliest sins. Why? Because if we remain in this complacent state, it will seriously harm us for the rest of our life. What's the antidote? Zeal. Zeal for the mission of living out our faith life. I'll give you some examples of it. Mary, after she accepts the mission of being the mother of God, it says she went in haste to the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth. When Jesus is born, the angels appear to the shepherds in the fields. And it says the shepherds went in haste to go see the child. Part of who we are, part of our identity, comes from our mission, the mission to live out our faith. Some more examples. Saul, after his conversion to Christianity, but before he sets out to evangelize the world, he changes his name to Paul. He recognizes his identity is wrapped up in his mission as an apostle. How about Abraham? Abram accepts the will of God to be the father of all nations and then to move from Ur to Israel where God will give him the land and descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. When Abraham accepts this, he changes his name now from Abram to Abraham. Like St. Paul, Abraham recognized his identity was now wrapped up in his mission 
so must we. We must have zeal for our mission, which is to live out our faith. Better yet, to live out the three roles that we promise God at the time of our baptism. The three roles of priest, prophet, and king. Priest, which means to sanctify. We must live holy lives. Prophet, we must preach the word of God always, and if necessary, use words. King, we must lead people to God and back to our church. Next in the story of the Passion, Jesus is arrested. What do the apostles do? They all scatter and run away. Herein lies the second sin that now surrounds Jesus to destroy him. It's the sin of spiritual cowardice. We know what to do, but we can't summon the courage to do it. Cardinal John Henry Newman once said, One thing that is required for evil to thrive is for a good person to do nothing. I'll say that again. One thing that is required for evil to thrive is for a good person to do nothing. And the apostles did nothing. Evil must be resisted. Here lies the sin of cowardice, not to face down sin. What's the antidote? Support, encourage, and motivate one another so that if we are faced with evil or a challenge in our life, we'll support one another, help that person get through or persevere that challenge. Go back to the story in which Jesus sends the apostles out in the first evangelization mission. He sends them out two by two. Why? Because Jesus knows if he sent them out one by one, they would probably get discouraged. And when challenged, especially with evil, they would probably back down. And yet, by sending them out two by two, they would be able to support, encourage, even motivate one another. We have to do the same thing ourselves. If you can go up to a person and say to that person, you know, I know you've got a lot of challenges. I know that you're facing down evil. And you know, I've got your back. In fact, this entire parish has your back. And we will support and encourage you to get through, persevere that challenge. You know, that person, when hearing that, they won't back down from that challenge now because they know that they have the support of a faith community behind them. Well, we must be able to give courage to people so that they now have the courage and the strength to face evil. Next in the story, Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin and the people testify against him. Herein lies the third sin, lying, worse yet, gossiping. Jesus is surrounded by a pack of liars. They'll say anything to convict him. Thomas Aquinas once said, if we lie about somebody, if we gossip about another person, essentially we have now violated the fifth commandment, thou shall not kill. Aquinas says, basically when we lie or gossip about other people, we have destroyed or killed their reputation. What's the antidote? Truth. Jesus taught his apostles and us, the truth will set you free. Well, it will. But yet we first have to practice the truth with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves and who we are in relationship with God and others in this world. Once we accept ourselves for who we are and are truthful to ourselves, then we can begin to be truthful with others in this world. Finally, 
Judas, when he recognizes or realizes what he has done, he goes off and he hangs himself. Peter denies Jesus three times. Now, both Judas and Peter betray Jesus Christ, and yet there's a difference between them. Peter sought forgiveness from Christ. Remember there's that beautiful story after Jesus rises from the dead? He meets Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Therein lies the reconciliation. Jesus now forgives Peter for denying him. And yet for Judas, Judas feels the bitterness of sin. He's convinced that he is beyond God's forgiveness. And that's why he goes out and he destroys himself. The antidote here, we must seek forgiveness. Seek the forgiveness from God and we will receive it. Just a few nights ago, our church was nearly filled to capacity when we had our reconciliation service. Hundreds of people came into the church to seek God's forgiveness and they received it. For over two hours, people were coming and they were confessing their sins and they received God's mercy and forgiveness. Friends, what we have to realize, there are no lengths to which Jesus will go to save us. Even to climbing on the cross, Jesus will stop at nothing to save us and to render his mercy and compassion towards us. Friends, I strongly encourage you, Please attend the services and the masses at your parish during this week of Holy Week. Each day, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, each day is unique and different from the other. Holy Thursday, we recognize and remember and honor the very first Mass that Jesus instituted with his apostles and then told them to continue to worship Jesus through the Mass. And we continue that every Sunday. We continue to fulfill Jesus' orders to do this in remembrance of me. Good Friday, we remember and honor Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. Jesus dying on the cross in order to save us in the world. Finally, either on Holy Saturday or on Easter Sunday, we recognize the greatest event that the world has ever known, an event that changed and altered the course of world events, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And it is on Easter Sunday that we renew our hopes and desires that we too will follow Jesus Christ, that we also will rise from the dead as Jesus has promised each and every one of us. And therefore, I pray that you will have a blessed Holy Week. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.